2: From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Nina Kim. Coming up on Forum, our state lacks Black doctors, and that can impact how Black Californians experience our healthcare system. But diversifying the workforce is not easily done.
0: There many times has to be somebody that gives you that leg up, and many times it's a white person because there's not people of color in those roles. So if the gatekeepers don't allow you in, and don't support you, many times you won't have that, that movement.
2: We take a deep dive into one of the largest studies to date, looking at the healthcare experiences of Black Californians. Welcome to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Have you ever felt dismissed or disrespected by a healthcare provider? For Black Californians, that experience is so pervasive, more than a quarter report foregoing medical care on at least one occasion to avoid unjust treatment. That's one of the findings of a new study that takes a closer look at the experiences of Black people seeking care in California and the steps they take to try and protect themselves from racism and discrimination in our health care system. The study is from the California Healthcare Foundation, and joining me is Senior Program Officer for the California Healthcare Foundation, Catherine Haynes. Catherine, welcome to Forum. Thank you for having me. Glad to have you. I understand more than 3,300 Black Californians participated in this study, which began with in depth interviews of 100 people who shared stories about the way they've been treated by doctors and nurses and other providers. What are some of the stories that stayed with you?
3: There was a man who said that, who really talked about the difficulty of knowing and and interpreting how he was treated. And he said that as a black person, I'm gonna share his words because Eviteris, which is a black owned and run research firm and public policy consulting firm in LA, worked hard to bring the voices to us and I wanna share some of them with you. He said, "As a black person, I always have to ask question. Did they just do that because I'm black? And even if it's not true, it's always on my mind. And I'm not. And not every group has to ask, even ask that question. And I think that notion of wondering why you're being treated poorly um, stuck with me. And." What the study showed us, of course, is that concern about being mistreated really affects for many people how they interact with the healthcare system.
2: Yeah, the added stress is is really remarkable. And the and the quotes like the one that you just shared from the man are really powerful. Um there was a black woman who was part of some of the focus groups that were done by Ibiteris who said, I feel like black voices aren't as loud, they're not taken as seriously. In this case, I wasn't listened to and it ended up being a very serious, actually life-threatening problem. I told the doctor I was short of breath and he told me, you're out of shape. And I was like, I've been out of shape for a long time and I was not out of breath, but I'm out of breath now. And he told me, you just need to lose weight and exercise more. And it ended up being that I was severely anemic and had to have two blood transfusions. So in the case of the healthcare system, what this underscores, Catherine Haynes, is the stakes are really high if you experience the stress you described before or not really being taken seriously as this person described, right? It's essentially, it's your health. It's your life. Absolutely.
3: And you know what? There were some disturbing findings. Um, There were also some positive ones. I'll share those later. But this disturbing finding of people avoiding care, avoiding going to the doctor, because they just didn't want to deal with being treated negatively, being dismissed, as the woman whose story you just shared was dismissed. And it is clearly, it, it causes late diagnosis or maybe no diagnosis, it also um, can cause severe outcomes, death even.
2: There is a statistic that four in 10 respondents said that their pain was not treated adequately by a healthcare provider. Can you talk about that? Yes.
3: There is a well-established literature on discrimination in treatment of pain. Often uh, people are treated as though they're drug-seeking um, or that they're exaggerating. And that is, you know, the treatment of pain is important because there's stress that comes with pain, and good treatment of pain is, of course, important for healing. And so we found that to be true. It was this study of over 3,000 Black Californians supported the literature on poor pain control for Black people.
2: It sounds like also that there were among black Californians sort of subsets that experienced or reported um, feeling like they were getting inadequate care related to pain or also being treated poorly because of their race or ethnicity, but also their gender and sexual identity.
3: Absolutely. So one of the things California Healthcare Foundation set out to do was to understand the diversity of experience as well as the shared experience of Black Californians. We are a very, as a Black Californian, I'm here to say, we are a very diverse group of people. We live in hyper-urban settings, urban settings, suburban settings, rural settings. We are affluent, we are poor, we are educated, we lack education, we have insurance. And um, some of us don't, very few. California has done that well. And so, you know, the, the issue was really creating a study that would allow us to capture the diversity of the population. And the lead researchers, um, Shikari Byerly is the lead researcher, and her partner, Rodrigo Byerly, who's the president of Eviteris, really created a design that would allow us to see those nuances. And what we learned is that if you are a person who has a mental health condition, physical disability, a woman in Medi-Cal, LGBTQIA+, you are more likely to report being mistreated or poorly treated because of your race or ethnicity, and to also to have uh, had other negative experience, other negative. Um, encounters with the healthcare system more frequently. And so the troubling thing about that is of course that you may be a person who needs the healthcare uh the care, the caring of the healthcare system more than other black californians and yet your experiences tend to be more negative.
2: Well, we invited listeners before the show to share if they had ever had experiences of feeling dismissed, disrespected, avoiding care, and so on. And listeners, you can share those experiences with us as well now by emailing forum at kqed.org, posting them on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at kqedforum, or by calling us 866-733-6786. This listener wrote, what I've experienced in the medical system is never being believed. I had a slipped disc and needed surgery stat and spent a year begging for MRIs. Another listener wrote on Instagram, as a Latin woman, I always have to stand up and speak in order to get good care. So as you were saying, there are a lot of people, Catherine Haynes, who avoid care due to concerns about how they will be treated when they go in for it. But the other thing that uh, I found really striking were the steps that people take because you do have to engage with the healthcare system often one way or the other. Um, And the steps that they take to try to protect themselves against poor treatment, what are some of those steps?
3: Well, I think there's some great steps that people take when they are getting ready to have encounters with the healthcare system. What our our study participants told us was that they study up on the conditions that or they or the symptoms that they're having, they get their questions together, they go and they ask their questions. All of those are really good things. That's what we want everybody who encounters who has an encounter in the healthcare system to do. But there were some other things that um, are concerning to different degrees. What respondents told us was that in anticipation of being dismissed, they altered how they spoke, they dressed in a particular way, or in conversation they managed to give cues that they were about their education level, or that they had a relative that was a doctor, for example, to increase the probability of being taken um, seriously. And then, of course, we already mentioned the avoidance, but the other thing that was equally concerning to me was the strategy of not asking too many questions so as not to be perceived as a difficult black person. And in not answering, asking questions, you're limiting a the clinician's ability to help you, and maybe will walk out of the exam room without questions answered about how to take medication or how to take care of yourself at home. And those things, as coupled with uh, avoiding medical care, are concerning. But I want to say, I want to give kudos to the people who are studying, asking questions, bringing a friend, um, and, and really preparing to go to the doctor, because we all need to do that. Those are good things, and those are good strategies.
2: Over a third said so that they tried to make their provider feel at ease. What What does that mean? What did that look like? Well, you know,
3: um, there were those who, particularly men, um, but not exclusively, who told us that they didn't want to be, they didn't want the providers. Honestly, the provider's prejudice to make them um, to make the provider feel afraid of them, and so they would do things to make the provider comfortable, in the hope that it would produce a better healthcare encounter. Mm. And of course, if a patient is going to the doctor, it is the or a nurse or another clinician, because there's a wide um, group of healthcare providers. It is the provider's job to make the patient feel comfortable.
2: Yeah. Can you? We we're coming up on a break here, but just quickly remind us what inspired this study. I understand it's one of the largest studies focused on the healthcare experiences of Black Californians, specifically in this state. Yes.
3: Well, the events California Healthcare Foundation works to improve the healthcare system for Californians, particularly for those Californians with low incomes and has worked on economic equity and equity in the Medi-Cal system for a long time. The events of the spring of 2020, um, particularly the police violence and George Floyd made us look deeper and
2: drill down into equity for black Californians. Catherine Haynes, a senior program officer at the California Healthcare Foundation. We're talking about the experiences of Black Californians in the healthcare system, as documented by a study that was commissioned by CHCF. And we want to hear about your experiences in the healthcare system as well, what questions you have about how to make it better, or any ideas as well. Email forum at post your thoughts on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, or call us 866 733 6786. This is Forum. I'm Nina Kim. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Let me tell you what's happening tomorrow with guest host Ariana Prale. We'll talk with sleep researcher Eric Prather about ways to calm our ruminating minds and other techniques to get a better night's sleep. Prather's new book is called The Sleep Prescription. Today we're talking about the experiences and impact of being dismissed, disrespected by our healthcare system, especially if you're black and living in California. And you our listeners have shared some thoughts about your own experiences. This listener writes, I have felt have I felt dismissed or disrespected in the healthcare system? Sadly, too many times. Another listener writes on Instagram, I too have experienced medical racism. It is frustrating and saddening. If you want to join the conversation which we're having with Catherine Haynes, Senior Program Officer of the California Healthcare Foundation, the foundation that commissioned this study listening to Black Californians, you can do so by calling us at 866 733 6786 emailing forum at KQED.org, or finding us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. So, Catherine, what did you hear most often from survey respondents about the change? Changes they'd like to see uh, in the healthcare system?
3: Well, I was really encouraged to see in, in this project, and it was, it emanated from the in depth interviews and focus groups, and we quantified people's responses in the survey. And really, what people want most is relationship based care. Mm-hmm. They want providers who listen to them. There's broad consensus 98%. They want providers who spend time um, to answer their questions, all of their questions, and they really want providers who will speak with them about specific goals that they have for their health in the context of their real lives. And there are about 47% of uh, the respondents who reported wanting a black doctor, and All of that speaks to a need to be in relationship and respectful partnership with um, clinicians.
2: Well, there is a quote from a 35-year-old black man in the Central Valley in your study that I think really underscores what you're talking about. He's talking here about what good care looks like, and he writes, he sat down quietly, looked at me in my face, wasn't looking around, talked to me about my life, He explained, we're going to do blood tests on everything, and that was the best care I received. That's what I envisioned it would look like, a doctor saying, anything else you want to ask me? Because I didn't ever feel like I got to ask questions. And if I did, maybe I was just too spooked to ask because of how I felt inside about not being believed. That's how it would look like for me to receive great care, and I received it once, so I keep going back to this doctor."
3: I'm so glad you read that. I'm looking at it right now. It was one of the quotes I was going to bring to you. That's exactly it. Black Californians that one of the great things that we we learned in this study which echoes findings in an NORC uh, American Values study is that Black Californians are doing a lot, spending a lot of effort to pursue good physical and mental health. And what they want is a partner in the healthcare system, a partner in the providers that they work with. And this man, this 35-year-old man in the Central Valley, nails what partnership means.
2: Hmm. Well, let me go to caller Mary in Oakland. Hi, Mary. You're Hi on. there. Good morning. Good morning.
0: Um, so I'm relating a story that happened when I gave birth to my oldest daughter, who's now 22. My daughter is... Uh, afro latina she's mixed race uh, Mexican and african american and on her se- at her second week well baby visit, the nurse gasped when I took off her clothes so we could weigh her and ran from the room and brought back a security guard, a nurse, a doctor, and a social worker because they thought I was beating my child. She had Mongolian spots, but they thought that I was spanking a two week old had oh my- I not been a uh, 25 year old mom had i been the young mom they thought i was for one they thought i was unmarried and they thought i was closer to 18 17 18 and not 25 i really believe that they would have tried to take my child from me
2: oh my gosh mary i am so sorry that happened to you and i, I cannot
0: educate, i had to educate doctors and nurses on a very common skin condition for children of color that shouldn't happen i shouldn't have to educate a medical professionals on a very common
2: skin condition. Absolutely <laughs> Mary, not. Thanks so much for the call, and also it, when it involves your children too, just the the stress level of that experience is just through the roof as well. Uh, Catherine, hearing Mary's story so much uh, ties in with the experiences that other people shared in the study. Yeah, it's um,
3: egregious. I do want to also just plug the work of my uh, colleagues at California Healthcare Foundation, Amelia Cobb and Stephanie Telaki. We have long had a Black Birth Equity uh, program there, and that is working on these these very issues um, about assumptions made about Black birthing people and about. Uh, they're being disregarded, and trying to work hard to create support systems that that obviate the need for battling, doing battle with the healthcare system. When in fact, you are the patient there to be cared for. And I'm very sorry to hear about your story, Mary.
2: Yeah, thanks for sharing that, Mary. Um, Catherine, you also mentioned that one of the things that people would like to see, survey respondents said they'd like to see is a black doctor, and that 85% said they would like to see black representation in leadership, um, and 80% in terms of the healthcare workforce. And I wanted to bring into the conversation now actually Winton Sims, who's a third-year medical student at UC San Francisco. Winton, thanks so much for coming on.
5: Yeah, thank you for having me.
2: So, so first... What made you want to become a doctor?
5: Yeah, um, it's a very good question. Um, I think I always had that exposure. Uh, My mom's a physician. My dad is a professor of medicine. Um, So I kind of grew up always being exposed to medicine and being exposed to what my parents were doing and kind of the circles that they were in and their friends also being doctors. Um, So I had a lot of strong black influences in medicine early on, and I think that definitely played a role. Um, kind of in, in my aspirations to, to being a physician. Um, yeah.
2: yeah. One of the things that you have written about, actually, you've written essays about the reaction that you have gotten from Black patients when they see you coming in to help treat them. Can you describe that experience a little bit?
5: Yeah, sure. So I think being a Black medical student is a very unique experience in that um, patients often don't see me someone who looks like me in the role that I'm in especially in a place like San Francisco um but this encounter was actually in Fresno uh where I think there I don't I don't know the numbers but there uh I would believe to be not as many black physicians as well in Fresno um so interacting with with a black patient in uh actually an OBGYN clinic um was a really cool experience because one the patient kind of just really received me very warmly. Um, they saw me and instantly I, I kind of felt a sense of, of being welcomed and, and they felt comfortable with my presence there, um, whereas a lot of patients in that setting, me being a male, me being a black male, um, kind of feel the opposite, uh, which, which I, think is, I think is reasonable in the OBGYN setting with me being a male. But kind of like you all were talking about earlier, um, as a black man, I feel like we often have to be considerate of how we're making other people feel Um, but in that instance, it was more so a sense of me kind of bringing the patient the sense of calm and the sense of, uh, a listening ear that, that they needed in that moment. Um, so that was, that was a really important experience for me. And then at the end of that day, um, another person from the clinic kind of ran after me and just kind of told me how proud they were of me. And this was my last day on the OBGYN rotation. So this was kind of just, Kind of just a confirmation on that last day that, that I was where I needed to be and that I was seen and I was having an impact um in whatever way I could.
2: I, I'm struck that you're saying that this is a confirmation of this is where I needed to be. Mm-hmm. What has the fact that there are few black doctors, and and there was a UCLA study published last year that really put some numbers on this, that basically they were saying that the share of doctors who are black men has remained unchanged since 1940, this this study found out, and that even overall the percentage of um, black physicians in the U.S. has only gone up like four percentage points in 120 years, which is really striking. Mm -hmm. So what has the experience of you being a black medical student um, been like? Have you felt that as a student, too?
5: Yeah, um, I think I definitely have. I think being, again, in a place like San Francisco, not many black people, period. Um, Definitely fewer black providers. Um, it's, It's definitely a unique experience. But being at a place like UCSF... Uh, that that is kind of pushing um, this this uh, pursuit of increasing representation in medicine, especially among black students. Um, I think it's kind of made me more comfortable in this journey being around people who look like me, people who are aspiring to the same things as me, and being supported by people that look like me in high places at UCSF. Uh, our, our dean of admissions um, is, is a black woman. Uh, the dean of the school of medicine is a black man. Um, So just having having these people as role models, I think, has been been instrumental. Um, But it's definitely not definitely not easy. But I think having people, again, that look like you, people that have your best interest at heart and and people that even outside of the black community are invested in you as someone who is so essential to providing the care that that these communities so so desperately need um, and, and really working to bridge a lot of these disparities that that have existed for far too long.
2: Do you often work with black physicians when you do clinical rotations?
5: So, unfortunately not. Um, I think it it was about six months into my clinical year uh, until I worked under a black physician. um, And he was a black anesthesiologist. And I think that was also a really formative moment for me, um, working with someone who was so deeply invested in my success and my interests and getting to know me as a person, um I learned that he had family in Mississippi where I'm from um we had commonalities we had we had really just this this shared uh identity that that so strongly bonded us um and from there he like got my contact and wanted me to connect with his i think one of his cousins or nephews who was also in medicine so just just those connections the investment that 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 we have in in our own people i think is so instrumental to to really working to bridge this this disparity in representation gap. Mm.
2: We're talking with Wyndon Sims, a third year medical student at UCSF, and Catherine Haynes, senior program officer for the California Healthcare Foundation, about the experience among Black Californians of the healthcare system. And if you are a Black medical student and want to share your experience, please feel free to call in at 866 733 with it or to write in as well by emailing forum at kqed.org or finding us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at kqedforum. If you work in the healthcare system and want to share your thoughts or reactions to what you're hearing, or if you yourself have felt dismissed, disrespected in the healthcare system because of your race, feel free to share your stories as well. For example, Jorge writes, I'm Latino and my mother is very brown and doesn't speak a lot of English. If I'm not there to translate, to ask questions and make sure she's okay, they treat her carelessly. They once gave her a potassium medication that created these odd splotches on her face. They knew it was creating them and they told her it's fine, you can live with it. I told my mom we would go back there and demand they investigate how this medication is affecting her. If she were white, that would simply not slide. Let me go to call her Kim in the South Bay. Hi Kim. Hello. Hi, what would you like to share?
6: Um, so, I work in the Bay Area as a nurse for the past, like, five years now, and um, being in the Bay Area, like, there's a lot of affluent families and profession, um, and so, like, a lot of the families that I work with in a pediatric hospital are that, and unfortunately, um, I had, like, I've experienced something where if there were, like, a white mom saying and, like, telling the medical staff and providers that there's something wrong with her baby, um, everyone would be up in arms, flooding to the room, addressing the concern, but um, I once saw a black mom bringing this up to the medical staff and being dismissed, telling her that she needs to calm down, um, lower her voice, and that if she was going to continue, they were going to call security when she was actively, like, telling concern, and so it's just really frustrating because your, your child is sick, and you're in a healthcare setting where you feel very uh, diminished and it's you don't know what to do because these are the people that are supposed to help you and i've gotten like a lot of these like anecdotes from my fellow um, black coworkers as well who said the same thing where they don't feel welcome they feel like they have to work twice as hard to be where they are even though we're in the same place and we're putting in all the same work just so that um, patients and other co-workers can view them with the same credibility um, if, as if someone else with like a lighter skin tone.
2: Catherine, when you hear experiences like this, and I thank Kim for sharing those experiences, you know, we've talked about just the individual relationships and interactions between um, Black patients and physicians as being so instrumental and so meaningful to people. But what are some of the structural things that you have, that this survey has pointed to that really need to be changed or are really at issue here?
3: You know, we've spent decades uh, training individuals on racism and bias And yet it still exists, and it still exists because the system tolerates it. Okay, the system tolerates it. In every other aspect of medicine, we train people, but we create an ecosystem of tools, alerts, rewards, and sanctions that cultivate the behavior that we want to see. And if we don't get it, we get rid of the players who aren't behaving the way we want to we want them to behave. And I think that the respondents from the from the listening study, listening to Black Californian study, really were articulate about changes at the structural level, at the institutional level and at the community level. And at the structural level, they really wanted the healthcare system to be held accountable. For providing equitable care. Now, to make that happen, Mina, we need to know what care has been given to whom. And that means we need to know the race and ethnicity and gender and all the demographics of the people we serve in the healthcare system. We need to stratify um, the results of what we do, but also we need to look at the care that we deliver to people by their race, ethnicity, gender, and I would say economic status and and and, um, and gender identity, for example, to understand what processes of care are and are not happening. We need checks and balances in the delivery system that says you must do this if this occurs, and we need to hold providers accountable for delivering that care, we need to have um, in our contracts uh, for, with health plans and health plans contracts with providers, provisions for providing equitable care, and money on the table if it isn't provided.
2: We're talking with Catherine Haynes, senior program officer for the California Healthcare Foundation. The Healthcare Foundation recently commissioned a study called "Listening to Black Californians: How the Healthcare System Undermines Their Pursuit of Good Health." We also have Winton Sims with us, a third-year medical student at UCSF. One of the strategies in the study to help improve healthcare delivery was to try to bring more black physicians and nurses into the system, but the numbers are still very low. If you want to share your thoughts or experiences with the healthcare system, you can by emailing forum at kqed.org or posting your thoughts on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at KQED Forum. We'll have more after the break. I'm Mina Kim
1: This is Barbara Leslie, President of the Oakland Port Commission.
2: Welcome back to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. We're looking at a new study that emphasizes the difficult, offensive, racist experiences that Black Californians face in the healthcare system, but also what can be done about them. Also, ideas that are being put forward by the respondents, more than 3,300 of this survey of Black Californians done by the California Healthcare Foundation. And uh, you, our listeners, are sharing your thoughts and experiences as well. Let me go straight to another call, Richard in Oakland. Hi, Richard.
7: Good morning. Thank you. Yeah, What's I on wanted your to mind? share my experience. I wanted to share my experience, particularly after listening to uh, the, the the last segment. Uh, my entire life, I've had good health care. My mom was a nurse. My pediatrician was black. When I was in graduate school, my ophthalmologist was black, and in both situations, I always felt cared for. I, I always felt that they were invested in me, and not only in my in my health, but also in my just broader uh, life successes. When I completed graduate school and returned to California from North Carolina, and started working in Silicon Valley again, I had great health care, um, but uh, at that time my physicians and specialists when I occasionally needed uh, health care were white. And I would have to say that although technically I got, I believe, excellent care, the relationship flipped, and I noticed it, where before I was the one that was liked, and uh, but in with white physicians and specialists, I felt like I had to make myself liked. I was the one that had to impress upon them the, my value as a human being and then most recently I've had uh, a, a change uh, semi-retired and I have new physicians now uh, which are Indian from India and again it flipped now again I'm the person that's liked I'm the person that is valued I'm the person whose health is assertively um, taken care of and I just listening to the program I was just taken aback by those different experiences and I've not to disparage anyone, but I do believe that a lot of the white physicians with whom uh, my care was entrusted did technically care for me, but at the same time, I often felt like my opinion about my own health was not as strongly valued or as eagerly sought, as it was with black physicians and then also with non-white physicians in this particular case, both specialists and PCPs, uh, Indians from India. And um, it's quite striking even thinking about it right now. And I don't know exactly um, how we get around all of that, but it's just an experience that I wanted to share. And listening to the radio program today it just triggered a lot of memories and a lot of emotion.
2: Hmm. Well, Richard, I... I really appreciate you calling in to share those experiences. I'm glad to hear that you are in the care now that, that feels better and more right to you and, and more uh, humanizing and seeing you in that way. You know, one of the things, Catherine Haynes, that uh, your survey respondents brought up was just increasing access to good care <laughs> as also being a major, a major need Uh, That could improve health outcomes. What did they have to say about that?
3: You know, I think that really what our respondents spoke of was access to loving care, right, to relationships. Richard is talking about, yeah. And I think that Richard really hit um, right on it, the nail on the head. The respondents also asked for more community-based care led by um, a black and rendered by a black healthcare workforce, and I, I want to expand it. I don't. I don't want us to walk away thinking that it's all on the doctor. It is not. It's on the system that supports the doctor. But, but the other the other thing that came through this research was that the healthcare experience starts when you talk to the first person on the phone to make an appointment, or when you come. To the desk, the registration desk. That's when the healthcare encounter starts. Mm-hmm. And so it is the whole system, all the people, the resources, the tools, the rewards, the punishments, all of it together that can create an environment where people feel cared for.
2: Well, on the line now, we have Dr. Kim Rhodes, founder of Umoja Health in the Bay Area. Dr. Rhodes is an associate professor of epidemiology and biostatistics and associate director of community engagement at UCSF as well, UCSF School of Medicine. Dr. Rhodes, thanks so much for joining us.
8: Thank you for having me.
2: So, Emoja is one of those places that really thinks about all of these different levels of interaction and care in community that Katherine is describing. I'm wondering if you could tell us if someone comes to Emoja, what they might see or experience, that's different from other healthcare settings, especially if you're a black Californian.
8: Well, thank you so much for, uh, again, wel- welcoming us and for featuring uh, what we're doing with Emoja Health. I first want to point out that um, just in line with wanting to upend the status quo altogether, Emoja Health is not a place. It's actually, it's mm. it's a method. And um, that method is about raising and amplifying community voices and holding healthcare institutions and public health accountable to the health of the public. Um, So we arose during the pandemic and what we learned how to do, and I want to tip my hat to Dr. Diane Havlier, who originated the idea of United in Health or Unidos en Salud. Um, That's where the name Umoja Health comes from. It's unity, uh, meaning the oneness, a singular focus, Um, unity health, Umoja Health. What we do is we provide all of our services outdoors because we started during the pandemic and what we were originally bringing to folks is access, low barrier, no barrier access to testing. You may recall at the beginning of the pandemic, there were not enough swabs, not enough reagents. You had to have exactly the right uh, list of reasons why you needed a test or be a special person in order to get access. We wanted to bring that into the African-American community where there was no access. And now we've expanded to go beyond Beyond that, uh, when vaccines rolled out to provide COVID-19 vaccines, now providing flu shots, colorectal cancer screening, information about cancer uh, care and outcomes, and how to keep yourself uh, healthy and live your best life. Um, And we just recently rolled out diabetes screening as well.
2: So um, yeah, go on. I think there was more you wanted to say there.
8: Yeah, it was just so I'm just making the point that we do that in a pop up framework. So we're popping up in people's neighborhoods, we're popping up where people um, live, work, play and pray, if you will. Um, And so you're not coming to a brick and mortar location. Um, All of the services are provided largely by community partners, community members, advocates who want to be part of the solution. And I think what you get out of that gets to your question of what do people experience when they approach an Emoja Health event. You're greeted by people you might actually know. They might be your neighbor. They might be affiliated with a community-based organization or faith-based organization that you've already had a relationship with. So it gets to this um, idea of relational care. Um, you don't have to be black to come out and volunteer and work with Emoja, but you have to be on our singular mission. And that mission is to create a space where black people, that's where we originated our focus, Black people feel seen in their full humanity, heard, listened to, um, and and held. So that's what we hope people experience when they approach an emoja health uh, location.
2: You've noted that you wear a T-shirt and jeans, not a white coat or stethoscope when you're at a health event. Why is that important? or What are you trying to communicate with that?
8: Well, when we first started doing this work, what I really observed and heard from our participants is, you know, I I took your survey because it was administered to me by my neighbor, right? Um, I noticed that we didn't have any labeling. There was no UCSF logo anywhere. There was no public Mm -hmm. health department logo anywhere. And I think that helps people feel comfortable because I think that that walking into uh, healthcare systems, when you see the white coat and the stethoscope provides this sort of differentiation. It's an otherization that happens and it's an otherization that is taught to us as, um, as medical students, right? You are the physician, that other person over there is the patient. The two shall never cross. You will never be the patient. And so there's a separation from folks who want to be in relation and i think it puts a barrier there so when you come to an emoji health site yeah everybody's wearing the same t-shirt we're all emoji health we're all in this together and being part of the solution Um, and by taking away the white coat and the stethoscope and all of those trappings that make people feel judged in health inside of healthcare systems um, we think that we're providing a space where people actually feel like they can just have come and have a conversation yes we're providing COVID services but i want to talk about diabetes well there's a doctor here happy to talk to you about that mm-hmm. um and so we're, we're wanting it to feel more like community that it is community saving community it's care that is for us by us or fubu
2: well, Asha writes, I cannot overstate the importance of exposing young people of color to careers in health and medicine. These gross inequities will never improve without a more diverse health workforce that prioritizes culturally competent and responsive care. In my personal life, I seek out black physicians and dentists for myself and my family. I always want to feel seen and comfortable in spaces where we as black people have historically been marginalized and continue to feel the impacts of discrimination. Winton You've spoken about fixing the problem and you have said it's 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 not just a matter of reaching out uh, to black people in medical school or trying to get people in college or high schools to apply to, to medical school. What do you think needs to happen and when do you think it needs to begin? Yeah,
5: so I think it's imperative that we really reach back as far as possible into the pipeline. I don't, I don't think it's ever too early to really start thinking about when we should be giving certain populations exposure to a lot of fields that they're often not exposed to. If you can't, if you don't see a black physician, a black scientist, a black researcher, you really can't imagine yourself being one and you can't imagine yourself pursuing that. Um, so I think it's, I think it's important that we reach back as far as elementary school by giving students positive experiences with science, um, giving them positive exposures to science teachers and, Uh, Black physicians and black researchers and people that are doing a lot of this work that we often don't see our people doing. Um, But I think I think we are doing it. Um, But it's kind of a never ending loop in that we have underrepresentation, but we also want to give exposure in order to increase representation. So at some point we really have to dig, dig deep and think at what point do we need to really expose our youth um, and really kind of work to um, to, kind of sh- to, to kind of end this never ending cycle. Um, yeah. yeah.
2: And once they're approaching medical school or even in it in the early years, you said it comes down to money and mentorship. What mm-hmm. do you mean by that, Winnie?
5: Yeah, so I think, I think money is big. Um, this is not, an, not a cheap journey. Very expensive, um, whether it be going to college, going to a good high school that can get you into a good college, being able to pay for med school, and and I really tried to touch on how expensive the med school process itself mm-hmm. is, that application process, um, especially pre-pandemic when you were flying to all your interviews, you had to pay for the flights, you had to pay for uh, your stay when you got there, had to pay for your food, um, so I think. If a lot of these things were subsidized, I think that would really increase access to a lot of populations that historically haven't had access to a lot of these, these schools, a lot of these uh, opportunities to interview at, at schools across the country. Um, and then in terms of the mentorship, again, it goes back to if you can't see it, you can't be it, you can't do it. Um, and mentorship for me is a form of exposure. We need to expose students as early as possible. To positive people in medicine, positive Black people in medicine, um, people that are doing this work, people that are doing things that traditionally we haven't done. Um, so yeah, I think I think those two things in combination, going back as far as we can into the pipeline, providing financial resources, providing grants, providing scholarships, subsidizing this very expensive process, um, including both college and medical school. I think is a good starting point to really address these inequities in representation.
2: We're talking about how black patients in California could be better served with more black physicians, doctors, leaders, and also community-based and accessible care. And you are listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Let me go to Yvette in Palo Alto. Hi, Yvette, you're on. Hi,
9: very good topic, very good. I recently moved my 84-year-old dad from Marin County to Palo Alto And we went to his first cardiologist appointment. He's having issues with his heart. Mm -hmm. So the resident student first came in, and boom, he was African-American. We're African-American. And so we just kind of lit up, right? (laughs) Like The room just lit up. And he said, where are you from? Looks like you a track runner. So really in tune with my dad, who felt really proud to tell his story to him. So then he goes, I'm going to go get the cardiologist. I'm the resident with him. So he goes and gets the cardiologist, boom, again, African-American. And it it was an explosion of joy, right? We didn't even have to say anything. I looked at my dad and just saw the difference in, in his color. Just He just kept up. And they really were in tune with where he was from. You from Louisiana? Well, I'm from Mississippi. And I love what Dr. Rose, I believe, said, because I couldn't quite – Uh, articulated being heard being listened to and being held Mm -hmm. that's what it was and it was community even though we're at stanford and we know stanford right um it it was wonderful experience (laughs) and a great connection for my dad and his heart right
2: (laughs) oh i'm so i'm so glad your dad had that experience dr Rose. i don't know if you have any reaction to what yvette just shared
8: Um, Well, I'm really glad that you had that experience of of being held, and I do think that um, some institutions are making more efforts. Uh, I happen to know the admissions uh, director at Stanford, Um, and so I do know that there are uh, efforts being made to really diversify the students who are being um, educated there as well as the residents who are being trained there. I I did, by way of disclosure, I I was on the surgery faculty there for quite some time, and I was at that time the ninth. Ninth black faculty. I will also note I was the third black woman to train um, at UCSF in surgery um, and finish the ninth black person to train and finish in surgery at UCSF. So, wow. you know, things are, things are changing and I think people are paying more attention. Um, you know, and as that happens, one of the things that we need to do is also hold those trainees so that they are not pushed out of the pipeline after they make it, um, you know, to that, uh, those great heights. So I'm, I'm really glad to hear that Stanford is making these efforts and that you had that experience there, that's wonderful.
2: We just have about 30 seconds, Catherine Haynes, but one of the things that the study also emphasized was just how intentional and how much Black people seek out care. And I'm curious why that was such an important thing for you to emphasize in this study.
3: It's important to emphasize because it's a myth buster, right? There are... Um, myths that say black people don't eat right, we don't exercise, we don't take care of ourselves, we don't care about our health. And that is simply not what this study showed. It showed that people are very intentional about trying to manage their weight, trying to eat well, and really trying to manage their stress and mental health. And so I just want to say black people are doing a lot to pursue excellent health, and they want the healthcare system to be a partner, to meet them, and do
2: its part. To meet them halfway. Katherine Haynes, thanks so much for talking with us. Thank you for having me. Katherine Haynes, Senior Program Officer of the California Healthcare Foundation. Winton Sim, so glad to have you on too.
5: Yes, thank you for having me as well.
2: And Dr. Kim Rhodes, so great to hear from you as well and to learn about Emoja. thank you. My pleasure. Thank you, listeners, for sharing your experiences, both difficult and joyful. And check out the study. It's called Listening to Black Californians from the California Healthcare Foundation. Caroline Smith produced today's segment, This is Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Funds
0: for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio, the Germanicos Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, and the Heising Simons
1: Foundation.